Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be revisiting a message from one of our Sundays in church. Um, but I am Charles and I am, I'm going to be honest, I am part of the Favor family. Um, I, I, every Monday, oh, I've lied already, I've lied. Most Mondays, I watch this service. Uh, I know, from Melbourne, Australia, I said it correctly. And um, I watch God move through this place. Uh, I want to let you know that our church has been invested in favour before it begun. I I met Pastor James uh, before he preached at a youth rally, and I knew that God was going to use this couple, Pastor Kate as well, which I'll honour them in a minute, uh, to change the world. This isn't just going to be the nation of the Philippines. It's going to be the world. God is going to use them. And I am excited to watch what God is doing. Um, So every Monday, I uh, go into my garage. I, I got a little gym in my house, as you can tell. Look at me, specimen, a specimen. I know you can't see it yet, just squint a bit, you'll see, I'm an absolute specimen and I watch uh, as I work out, because have you noticed this church, you guys use a lot of gym analogies, a lot of gym, and and I can say this, I haven't been here since 2019, and your pastor's buff now, whoa, the glory of God, it's whoa, Um, but let me show you a little bit, I have a beautiful family, they'll come up on the screen. Uh, behind me, look at them, look at them, look at them. You know that we got this photo done just for you. I'm not lying. We don't do photos in our household. And someone emailed me and said, can you send me a media pack? I said, what's a media pack? Because I realised that everybody in this nation is like this. Oh, look where we are. Hey. So um, we got this photo done. This was one of about 50. I'll show an example of the other 50 if you go to the next one. This is more my family. So, so this, this is my daughter, Kiara, red hair, special, hey. So many redheads in this country, hey. You know, so she's very special. She is a female version of me. I remember when she was born and she came out with red hair. I was like, is it blood? What's going on here? Um, but it kept growing. This is my baby, Lila, in the front. Uh, has the greatest dress sense of anyone. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, it's absolutely gift. This is my son, Jai, just trying to have some, you know, gangster, you know, also born with red hair, so he's working uphill to get there. Um, but he'll get there. And then my beautiful wife, April, and myself, this is my family. They are also part of the Favour family. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do they always applaud family? I love that. Thank you. Thank you. I applaud your family too. Um, so um, I love Pastor James and Pastor Kate. I want to thank you and honour you uh, for being who you are, uh, for allowing me to stand here and share the Word of God. Um, you guys, you have to understand that this is not normal, what God is doing here. Uh, you, you have pastors that are world-class Because what you see up here, and I know that you said this about me, they are greater off the pulpit because of the way they love people, the way that they minister to people. But it's because they love Jesus. 
But what God is doing here, I don't want you to miss it. It's not normal. The presence of God, the way that the room is filled with the presence of God when you begin to worship, it's going to change your life. But you have to understand that what you're familiar with, don't become complacent to. Because this is special. God will use this family. He will use this house if you remain in a place of gratitude. We're like, God, we don't deserve this, but thank you for Jesus. And I want to speak today about not missing what God has given us. We don't want to miss it. Because you know who he's given us? He's given us Jesus. And because of that, we should be always be grateful. We should be ready to serve. We should be ready to make Jesus our number one priority. So, Father, today we pray that if we've got our priorities mixed up, you would help us make you Jesus number one. And everybody who agreed said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Don't miss the value of something. I read an article on the internet, so I'm pretty sure it's true. (laughs) And it was about a guy who bought a farm in America in 1998. And when he bought the farm, he bought it off another farmer. That makes sense. It's a farm. And um, there was a rock at the front door. And they used the rock at the front door to hold the front door open. And what happened is it was heavy, it was inconvenient. So the previous owner said, hey, would you believe that that's a comet? That was some form of meteorite. It fell in the 1930s. I use it to hold the door open. He goes, you can have it. So he kept it. He lived there multiple years. And then one day, about 20 years later, he said, hey, I wonder if this comet, this meteorite, this rock that I've been using to keep the door open is worth anything. So he took it to a university. The lecturer came out and started to go, I cannot believe this is the most precious specimen I've ever held. It was worth 100,000 US dollars for a rock. You know, instantly after reading that article, I went out into my backyard. I started looking for rocks. (laughs) I started saying, Jesus, if you give me a rock, I'll tithe. I'll tithe on it. I said, I just need a rock. It had been used as a doorstop for 20 years and was worth 100,000. It was worth more than what it was to purchase the farm. You read stories like this all the time. A person, they bought a painting for five US dollars. They hang it in the kitchen. They got sauce all over it. I'm Italian. They would have been cooking. It would have been messy. That was worth the painting when they found it was worth over a million US dollars. Someone had missed the value of something that was a treasure that was right in front of them. Don't miss the value of what God is doing here. Don't miss the value of who Jesus is and what he's done for your life. So if you're only going to listen for the next 30 seconds, this is where I'm going to land. 
nothing's worth more than Jesus. Nothing's worth more than Jesus. But because He is so close, because He's so available, because His work is so complete, that sometimes we can miss the value. And I don't want to do that. I don't want favour to do that. I don't want anybody that loves Jesus and He is your Lord and Saviour to miss the infinite value of Jesus. So if you've got your Bible, why don't you turn with me? We're going to go to the book of Philippians. I'm going to read a little bit. When I mean a little bit, I mean I'm going to read a decent amount of Bible. And I want you to stay with me. And then we're going to build a platform from that place. And then I pray that what happens is you can then apply it to your life. But simply, simply make Jesus your number one. Everything else needs to fall in line with that. But we're going to go to Philippians chapter 3. I'm reading from the NLT, and its title there is The Priceless Value of Knowing Christ. Whatever happens, my dear brother and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. This isn't even part of the message, but isn't it interesting? If you constantly reflect on the goodness of Jesus, it actually safeguards your faith. So if you are feeling under the pump when it comes to your faith, are you spending enough time being grateful for Jesus? Because what it does is it actually provides safety, parameters around your faith to keep you in the right spot. So Paul is saying here, I'm never going to get tired of telling you the value of Jesus because it helps you on your journey. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, the mutilators who say that you must be circumcised to be saved. Does everybody know what circumcised is? Good, moving on, let's move on. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason to be confident in their effort, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I was a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there was ever one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience of the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You say amen at that point. For his sake, I have disregarded everything else, counting it all garbage so that I can gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. We're almost there. Stay with me. I want to know Christ and experience his mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. I've already reached 
perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Two more verses. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul had one key message. You are restored to God through faith in Jesus. And in fact, when he is talking in this scripture, in this moment, he says everything else is worthless, means nothing compared to knowing Jesus. It says, and I love the line in the NLT, it has infinite value, priceless value, endless value. It doesn't get any better than Jesus. So my goal is simple. Make Jesus your number one. What are you reliant on? I love that Paul talks in this scripture where you see it there. He says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us and we put no confidence in human effort. We rely on a lot of things in our society and there's nothing wrong with relying on things. Hey, it's okay as long as Jesus is number one. But we rely on a lot of things. Who here thinks that they could survive without a GPS? Who here really loves a GPS? You know, and I, I'm surprised that people that live in Manila think they need a GPS because your traffic doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> you know what happens is you really just sit in cars for air conditioning. I don't understand it. Like, I, it actually, the other day, we're sitting in traffic, because that's what you do here, and people just walk down your roads. That's not normal in Australia. In Australia, if you're walking down the road, you're getting arrested. <laughs> and it's really quite like a thing. Like, you, you, like we need to be praying for your country. <laughs> but GPS is so important. I would not go anywhere if I didn't have enough phone data to make sure that my GPS works. I have no sense of direction. But we're reliant on GPS. You know what we're reliant on? Then when we go to pay for something, that your card will work. Hey, you, we're reliant on that. It's not a matter of whether or not we hope it works. We need it to work. It's the same when you get in a car, you want it to turn on. You know, recently I had to have a medical procedure. And I've been a nurse. I was a nurse for 12 years. But I've never been on the other side of the table. Now, who here has ever had a medical procedure? Give me a big wave, hands. I want to see how many people. So all these people understand what it's like to feel naked in front of somebody else. Because you arrive, and before you've met the doctor, you're in pyjamas. So it's not exactly a place where you feel like you are in a place of authority. So I'm not used to this because I've always been on the other side. So I'm there in my pyjamas and I'm not comfortable that there's nothing at the back. 
And the anaesthetist walks in. Now, I am a little bit panicked at this moment. I'm going to be honest. I'm a little bit panicked, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm naked. And the doctor comes in, and the doctor says to me, hello, my name is so-and-so. I'll be your anaesthetist. And do you know what nobody ever says to the doctor? Tell me about your experience. Tell me why should I trust you? Has there been anybody here that's ever said that? If you have, talk to me after. You're brave. I, I just said, yes. And they said, I asked for your name. Your name is not yes. I'm like, yes. But what happened is I was completely reliant that that doctor knew what they were doing. So when I went into that room and they knocked me out and I woke up later, I was completely trusting in the fact that they knew what they were doing. But you can go through life, you can rely on many things, money in the bank, family, doctors. But at the end of the day, when I stand before God, the only thing that's going to matter is if you know Jesus. It ain't going to be about who I know from a worldly perspective. It's not going to be about how much money I had in the bank. What I am completely reliant on when it counts, when it comes to eternity, when it comes to hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant, is Jesus. He needs to be my number one. And what happens is Paul is painting a picture at that moment that says, I am not going to be reliant on religion. I'm not going to be reliant on my efforts. I am solely reliant when it counts on Jesus Christ, my Saviour, because I know that through faith I am made righteous. So when it comes to counting, there's nothing but Jesus. But if that's the case, and if you agree with me that the most important moment of your existence is when you stand before God and you need Jesus, why do we put things in front of him? Why do we spend time trying to earn extra money, chase extra things, and then when it comes to serving the house of God or serving Jesus, you have to make sure your availability is everything else going to work out that I can serve? Is Jesus my number one? Because I'm completely reliant on him. Paul begins to paint a picture that I'm living for God. I'm living to do my best. But it's about Jesus. It's not about religion. Because if it's about religion... At some stage, you're going to get it wrong. And there are a plague of Christians that are losing confidence in sharing the gospel, in being faith-filled when you walk into the community because you're worried about getting it wrong. It's about growing. It's about being reliant on Jesus, letting the Holy Spirit lead your life. And then as you pursue Jesus, your conduct the way that you live will follow. 
But if it's religion, we're never going to get it all right. I remember during the pandemic, they called all of the nurses back in. So in 2020, I, after a five-year break of nursing, I went back in uh, and was in the theatres and I was assisting. And at the time in my country, the Prime Minister was a Pentecostal Christian. So a lot of people were asking questions about what we believe. And I remember I was in the theatre and literally this is what came up in the conversation. The doctor who is working says, hey, the prime, I know you're a Christian. The Prime Minister is a Pentecostal Christian. Are you one of those? I said, I actually am. He, this is the very next question. What's the go with speaking in tongues? So I look around the theatre. They know that I'm a minister. And I give them the most theological answer of all time. Talk about a personal Pentecost. I talk about a sign that follows believers. I talk about if it's a proclamation gift and it has to come with interpretation. By the time I was done, there was silence in the theatre. No one wanted to speak to me ever again. From a religious perspective, I had been successful in that moment but still didn't get it right. Because what I simply should have said is, hey, do you speak another language? Because it's the language of heaven that God can give. It's a sign that follows believers. But I tried to be too religious. I tried to tick all the boxes. I tried to be amazing. I made no friends that day, no friends. Because what counts is Jesus. What I want to give them is Jesus. Don't get caught up in your world in religion because Paul actually tells us it's worth garbage compared to knowing Jesus. So give them Jesus. Another thing that I learned from Paul in this moment is that we need to remember as believers that freedom doesn't mean easy, okay? Once you've encountered Jesus, life does not turn beautiful. It's better. You can have joy in all circumstance, but life can still be hard. And when people come to Jesus and they expect that life is going to be easy, and it's not, they can be left disappointed and disillusioned. And when we read in the Scripture, Paul is from a culture where he is so submerged into the middle of this culture. It says there that he he was circumcised on the eighth day, very religious thing, a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, another thing, a particular tribe, Benjamin, incredible. He was a Pharisee, very religious. He was passionate and harshly, harshly persecuted the church. All of these things he had done well, and now he had realized that a culture that he was born into, he had now had to let go of. That was not a recipe for popularity. But Jesus was worth more. It meant that he may have to lose opportunities. But Jesus was worth more. 
In fact, that Jesus talks about it in Luke 14, 25. He actually says to the believer, you need to count the cost. You actually need to count the cost of following me because to receive salvation is free, but it will cost you everything. It will. And as we progress to a place of influence, especially this community, there will be many challenges before you where you need to remember that freedom doesn't mean easy. You know, recently in Australia, there was a very large football club. Uh, It really wounded Pastor James and myself. We go for this team. But what happened, large organisation and a CEO that was appointed, all glory to God, was a Christian, an absolute man of God. And within 48 hours of being in the role of leadership, a very, very prominent role, you'll be on television all the time, you'll be famous, you're leading a large organisation. Within 48 hours, they said, you need to choose between your faith and your church or the football club. And he chose the church. Do you want to know why he chose the church? He's met Jesus. He knows the infinite value of Jesus. So therefore, when he goes in the club, the influence, knowing Jesus is worth infinitely more, the rest is garbage and I'm relying on him. So if Jesus is your number one and freedom does not mean easy, if Jesus is number one, then your opinion needs to be number two. If Jesus is your number one and freedom doesn't mean easy, that means your hurts have to be number two. If Jesus is your number one, what should your time look like? Because knowing Jesus is worth more. Who here loves Jesus? Paul then goes on to display a beautiful picture. We see in the scripture that after understanding that the, the, the thing that sets the life of a believer apart is the understanding that Jesus is worth more. That's the center point. That's the building point in my life. I will choose Jesus. He then says in a beautiful scripture in Philippians 3.10, it says this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. He says, I want to know him. I want to experience his power. I want to share in his suffering. He says he wants to know Now, you can know of someone and not know them. You know, if I was to meet Steph Curry or LeBron James, I know them. I know about them, but I don't know them. And that is not the picture that Paul's painting about knowing Jesus. He wants to know Jesus intimately and be known by him. Might have just the keys come and join me. Can I share a personal story with you? I'm going to anyway. 
But I want to show you a picture of my beautiful nan. Isn't she cute? So in 2020, we were finally allowed to uh, gather as families once again. And the challenge that I have is my family are about 60 miles away. Um, So getting to them, I actually wasn't allowed to. And came Christmas Day and the whole family gathered and this is my nan. Now, now, my grandma was like a second mum to me. Every day I'd go to school. I'd come not home because my parents were at work. I'd come to my nan's house. She'd cook me dinner five days a week. She was the life of the party. Every dance floor she was on, she's the loudest. She, was a, she came to Australia from England. She was a hero. They came with nothing but opportunities for the generations to follow. This is me. This is my nan. And I loved her so much. And Christmas Day comes and I feel the Holy Spirit say to me, go and give your nan a hug. Now, this photo wasn't planned. My wife, April, she's smarter than I am. She's like, I'm going to take a photo because God was speaking to her too. And I thought it was going to be just a moment. I'd come and throw my arms around my nan. I am the youngest in my family out of all the cousins, out of everybody. I was the baby, so I was the favourite. It's just the way it is. If you're the youngest, you're the favourite. The rest of you, just admit it. And um, I was her favourite. I'm sticking to it anyway. And I put my arm around her and... um, at this moment, she took off her oxygen to give me a cuddle. She, has lung, she had lung cancer. And um, as I put my arm around her, she began to cry. You go to the next photo. And in that moment, I got to pray for my nan. I got to pray for her. See, this is my nan. I knew her. I knew her smell. I knew her cooking. I knew her sense of humour. She knew mine. That was the last time I ever saw my nan. She would understand the infinite value of knowing Jesus. She was a Christian. But I knew her. And she knew me. And when Paul is painting a picture, I want to know him. He's talking about that kind of relationship. To intimately understand and know the person you're holding close. And then he says, I want to experience his power. Paul understood in that moment that that power that raised Christ from the dead, that power that enables him to live as though God planned for us today can be experienced through the Holy Spirit. He wanted to know Jesus intimately. He wanted to experience his power. But think about this. When you know Christ and have experienced His power, you then can endure His suffering. Because to follow Jesus as your number one is hard. 
Jesus tells us to count the cost, but Paul reminds us it's worth it. And we live a life sometimes where we forget the infinite value of knowing Jesus. When we sing Jesus for my family, Jesus in the streets, Jesus from the hilltops, I'm singing it because I know Him. I'm singing it because I know what I'm declaring over my family and over my streets. I want to know Him and be known by Him. I want to experience His power so that it helps empower me to endure when life gets hard. Because He's my number one. So when I pray about the legacy offering from the perspective, He's my number one. When I'm serving my family, when I'm serving my workplace, when I'm serving this house, it's from the parameters that I don't rely on religion, I rely on love. I love Jesus. As Paul paints this beautiful picture to the community that's around him, he begins to explain how he continues to do it and it's about focus. It's about focus. Because when you understand the infinite value of knowing Jesus, as you run after Him, your life falls into place. And it's funny, as I prayed, I feel that there are a few people here. I actually felt the Lord give me a picture that it's like you're on a, on a basketball court or a sporting field and you've been hurt. And you're lying there and you're sitting up in your hands and you're looking at the referee and you're saying, I've been injured. I've been hurt. I've been mistreated. And your team are like, get back in the game. Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about the things you've done wrong. Don't worry about the hurts you've gone through. Focus on the future. Paul had a reason to be religious because of where he's from. He also had reasons to be hurt. But he understood that to know Jesus meant more than any of those experiences. And then he says this to the listener. I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. There are some people you need to let go of your hurt and make Jesus your number one. There are some people that need to let go of their ambition and make Jesus your number one. There are some people here that need to begin to dream bigger because Jesus is your number one. Because no matter what life throws at you, To know Jesus is better 
So when you sing that song, Jesus, I speak Jesus. Speak it the way Paul would, understanding that I don't care how hard life gets, he's worth it. It doesn't matter how I feel, what they said, he's worth it. But he's worth infinitely more. Is that your heart? You know, before we move into a time of ministry, do you know Jesus the way Paul does? Because there may be some people in the room today that you've heard me preach and talk today about knowing Jesus is worth more than anything. But can I explain to you why? See, God's plan for mankind was simple. He wanted relationship with us, to know Jesus. He wanted relationship with us, like what I had with my nan. But what happened is because we are not perfect, the Bible says that every person has sinned, every person has fallen short of God's plan. So if you've ever sinned, you've ever told a lie, you've ever looked at something you shouldn't, you've ever stolen, you've ever done something, that means that you've been separated from God because God is so perfect. He's so holy. He's so righteous. Sin cannot be in His presence. So therefore, if you've ever sinned, you've been separated from God. The Bible actually says that the punishment for sin, which we've all committed, is death, is actually an eternity without God. But that was never God's plan. See, in the Bible, in John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world, that's us, that He gave His Son, Jesus. And if you believe in Him, you'll never perish, but you'll get to have eternal life. Because this is why we celebrate Jesus at Easter. Because what happened is, if the punishment for sin is death, What Jesus did is He lived a perfect life and then He died on the cross. Now in that moment, the Bible tells us that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the moment you do that, your sin is taken from your life and is put on the cross with Jesus. And then you become righteous because of faith in Him and can have a relationship with God. You can go to heaven. You can't get there without faith in Jesus. So in Romans, the Bible says, in the book of Romans, it says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. It's believing in Jesus. It's putting your trust in Jesus. And the moment you do that, your sins are removed. They're put on the cross with Him and you receive right standing with God. So what I want to do just quickly is I want everybody in this room Close your eyes. And in fact, if you can, could you look down for me? Now, to come into a relationship with Jesus is very simple. You just need to pray a short prayer of faith where you put your hope and trust in Jesus. And I'm going to lead this room through that prayer, I'll say something, I'll get you to repeat it after me. But if you are not sure whether you are going to heaven, 
If you are not sure whether you are clear about your relationship with Jesus, because that's the requirement, you can pray this prayer and know today, no matter what happens, you're going to heaven. You are going to be in a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. So with every eye closed, if you want to make sure you're in right standing with God today, just want you to quickly raise your hand. Lift your hand right now. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Keep that hand up just for a moment. Yep. You can pop your hand back down. Praise God. Hands all over this place. So we're going to pray right now. A prayer of faith together. There are people in this room making Jesus their number one for the first time. So I'm going to pray and then I want to invite you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned and I ask that you would forgive me. I believe in you. Jesus, I believed you lived, died on the cross for me and was raised to life on the third day. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? Come on, Father, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Thank you so much for listening in. At Favor Church, we're a family, and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at favor.church/next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.